This is a classic podcast from Unqualified Gamers. Hear more at unqualifiedgamers.com. So, what did you uh, what did you do this weekend? Cuz we're done. We had we had a, a a nice long weekend. I don't know about you, but the weather was fucking shitty as hell here. Thankfully, I was working the whole time, so you can't ask me what I did this weekend yet. And it was per- it was perfect uh, cuz I had to work. So, wait, why can't I ask you? I we just did. We haven't started the episode yet. We haven't? No. I thought we started. No. I thought we were almost done. No, we have a guest. We have video games, Vinja games to talk about. Oh, so we're going to talk about his weekend too? Everybody gets a weekend? Well, you didn't have a weekend. You were at work all weekend. I had a weekend. I had, I had like three weekends. I actually had stuff going on this weekend. Stuff happened this weekend. You just, you literally no, just said... No, I said, said I didn't play video games. That doesn't mean stuff didn't happen this week. No, nothing happened unless you were playing vid- video games. No, I, stuff happened. Stuff happened. See, you're settled in, you're breathing deep, you're like, you're set, right? I mean, we're good. Can you hear that? I can. What does it sound like to you? Uh, somebody swallowing or, or drinking water or pooping? Here's what we have to start with. We have to start by saying, Hello, listener. Welcome to Unqualified, a video game podcast, episode 43. I'm Cody, and this is John... And we're going to talk about... It's official. The, what the is episode official? is now legitimate. It is official. Now, that's what I... That's literally what I just I said. I know. You have legitimized the episode. I, th- I can't legitimize the episode because it's not... No, the episode is legitimized. No, because we're unqualified. And if we legitimize the episode, then we are qualified. Wait, so what did you do this weekend? <laughs> I can't tell you what I did this weekend until we add our guests. So... Wait until you see an image that I'm going to upload to our Google Plus and Tumblr pages. Right now, I have I have a small tripod on which my microphone sits. Okay. So there's a microphone and then it's inside of a shock mount, which is one of those things so that if you if you bump into it 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 bounces and it doesn't make a huge amount of noise. Listener, just so, just so you know, I use a $30 headset that I bought off of Amazon that I've had for, what, what three years, four years? And that's why I sound marginally better than you. I'm not done. So um, I add filters to your voice to make you sound better, by the I way. I think that's f***ing bullshit. I think I sound beautiful. I think I am beautiful. You do sound and look gorgeous. I am beautiful every single day. Especially with your flowing locks. However... I am better. I am beautiful no matter what they say. Not I sound better. Words can't bring me down today. I'm just better. So I have that on a little tripod. And what I've noticed is my my desk height is mm, low. It's low. It's low. My desk is not a tall desk. And my, my chair is a higher chair. Point is... And you are a tall man. You are a tall I'm individual. I'm very tall. I have a large torso. Long torso even. Point is... In order for us to record previous episodes, I would have to kind of, not hunch, but tilt forward a bit, because the microphone wasn't really at my height. So, I have placed something underneath the tripod to prop it up higher. But the thing is, it had to be something, um, I mean, at least eight eight or nine inches wide, that's what she said, 
in order for the all the legs of the tripod to fit it was hard to to put it on something I, I couldn't even put it on like a big book okay you know i had to find a thing a box perhaps so it's on a box it looks incredibly incredibly low budget which is what we are so that's appropriate we are definitely low budget but i will put a photograph in our uh on our little accounts perhaps i'll even instagram one people should be uh, following me on Instagram, it's just Instagram.com slash Cody Goff. It's my first and last name. It's not hard to find me. That was a very that was a very interesting anecdote that went nowhere. Congratulations. It was, it, 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 I'm going to post a photo and it'll be funny. No, it will be pretty good. I think you're right. I'm laughing right now. Um, I don't think it's funny. We have a guest host today. A guest co-host, I guess. We've got a ghost? We have a ghost. And now, so and are you going to – can I – are you going by your full first last name? Do you have yeah, a? Uh, I, I go uh, by me. I am Jamie Butterworth. Not related to the sticky fortunes, unfortunately. So Jamie is a uh, a, uh, a super fan, right? Like you're somebody who found us on Google Plus, which we really appreciate and have been following us kind of since we really started pushing the podcast on Google Plus. Correct. And you've been interacting with us quite a bit. And we really appreciate that. Like that's. The thing that I think we like the most, I know I'm speaking for Cody when I say this because um, I'm allowed to do that, but we like that interaction definitely the most of all of the things we get to do with this podcast. Um, and you obviously very much like video games. Oh, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, to, just to clarify, Jamie, and I, I will give you a chance. We promise we will let you talk at some point. <laughs> Debatable. After, uh, maybe. Uh, but uh, you also, and I, I was almost reluctant to book you on the show. I'm going to say that I booked you because that sounds really professional. I'm a very busy person. Very busy. Yes. So there, thank you for that. So I had to book you. I was a little reluctant because I believe you – well, I know you're on another podcast regularly, correct? Correct. And what's – plug that right now just so everybody knows where to go to hear more of you. Yes. It's the Gamers at Large podcast uh, on the uh, – on Quan Manchu's – YouTube channel. We only get a couple hundred listeners each week, but it seems to be growing every week. And we have other uh, minor YouTube personalities in there as well. So it's 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 fun times. Yes, Quan Manchu. I, I'm on. He he's in my Google Plus circle. He's in our Google Plus circles. Um and and as if that weren't bad enough, as if that didn't make you almost qualified enough, you write stuff about video games. Is that a regular deal too? I do actually. I um. I recently reached out to uh, the guy that runs PlayerEssence.com. His name is Francis, and um, I was like, "Hey, man, I've uh, you know I recently wrote a book and published it. I play a lot of games. My Google Plus group loves all the reviews I write for them. I want to write for you." So he was like, "Yeah, sure, why not?" <laughs> I just spat my water out. That's what that was. <laughs> Good spit. I am probably the most qualified person on this podcast to discuss video games. Oh my god, John, what are we gonna do? I don't know. Well, I th- we're in the we're still in the proper position then in hosts of unqualified video game podcast, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's in fact, in fact, if anything, we should be inviting guests into the show that know more about video games than we do. Well, I believe we've done that, so that's good. Perfect. Uh, but before we get into video games, we're also human beings. Uh, I'm working on that with the whole cyborg thing that I have. Also debatable. Yes, um, uh, and we had weekends. Weekends are a thing that happened. So let's let's get to know let's get to know our guest, Jamie. What did you do this weekend? Anything exciting? 
Well, this past weekend, what did I do? Oh, yes, I went to go see Gravity in IMAX 3D. That was, like, my big crowning achievement for the weekend. I did as well. Oh, it's so good. So good. What did you think, John? It was excellent. My uh, my wife did did not like it. Not her cup of tea. We also saw Prisoners over this weekend as well. That was much more her style. Both excellent films, very different. Prisoners. Yeah. Did your girlfriend like uh, Gravity, Jamie? Yes, she absolutely adored it. All right, so that's three upvotes and one downvote. That puts that on Reddit's second page. Ooh, <laughs> I think it could have been a first pager, really. I think we need more datas. <laughs> it was that good, though, really? Yeah, dude. Uh, it, it was excellent. Yeah, do, do either of y'all ever pay attention to RottenTomatoes.com? It's running at uh, 98% right now on that, on that uh, website. Ninety-eight. Yeah, it's one of the highest movies. One of the highest movies I've ever seen on that on that website. Uh, that's pretty exciting. Um, so you did that. Um, John, you had some story you were about to just preemptively launch into. I've actually cut you off six times trying to start this story before we started this episode. So for the love of God, just tell me what you did this weekend. Okay, so I saw Gravity and I saw Prisoners. Those are two things that happened. I also worked all weekend. So that basically those events kind of took up my entire weekend, right? Or today, just before this podcast, uh, my wife and I went and we had our our first real ultrasound for the pregnancy. I've mentioned... Oh my God, is is this the one? It is, it is. So I've mentioned mentioned before that my wife is pregnant, um, and so we are now a little bit over 19 weeks along. We're going to be at 20, 20 on Friday. And traditionally, like the 20 week mark is where you go to get the gender screening to figure out what type of baby you're having, if you want that information, which we do. So we went to this, uh, we went to this, um, ultrasound today and we, we did the, we did the whole thing, except we, we got the gender, uh, and it's a puppy. No, it's not a puppy. (laughs) It's, um, we we had them we had them seal off the uh, the the gender, and Casey's sister Casey's my wife Casey's sister is going to take it to a bakery, and uh, get the color of the gender blue for boy pink for girl, uh, baked into cupcakes and then this weekend we're going to have a gender reveal party. I'll oh my pre- god! I will preface this by saying that we are doing this because I live in Minnesota. My family lives down in Rockford. We're kind of doing this as an excuse to get my family up here because it gives them an excuse to come up and actually participate in the pregnancy. Yeah, I would do it as an excuse for cupcakes. That's just me. Sure. Um, <laughs> so, so that's all. That was all cool. And the 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 ultrasound. I've seen ultrasounds in in what in movies in in TV shows and so I figured I would I would be like yeah 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 like I know what to expect coming in here, but holy crap, is it not the coolest thing seeing, like, a baby move around in there? Um, so it was really cool, honestly. It was really freaking cool. Um, but I was uh, I was at work, and I was talking to one of my coworkers, and I was explaining to her what we were doing. I was like, yeah, you know, we're going to do... So we're going to go, we're going to get this... Uh, we're going to get this this ultrasound... Uh, and then, but we're not going to know, like we're going to seal off the results. And then this, this weekend, we're going to have a baby sex party. And I legitimately, I legitimately said that. And she, and she just kind of, she just kind of looked at me and she's like, she gave me what? And I'm like, I'm like, wait, 
that that so that didn't come out right. That's not what I meant. Nope. And she, and she was like, no, 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 I don't think that's what you meant. And I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure those aren't legal here in, in the United States, actually. Um, so that was the funny part of that story was, so uh, we're, we are, we're going to have a baby sex party on, uh, on this weekend, and I will get to kind of officially know the gender of, of my child. So that's uh, pretty awesome. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, that kicks our weekend's asses. Well, it wasn't part of the weekend, so it doesn't count, right? It was Monday. Aha! We win! You do win. It wasn't part of my weekend, so. Cody, what'd you do this weekend? Anything exciting? Did you have a baby sex party? I did. Oh, boy. Would that I could have. Would that I could have. I, I literally do not recall doing anything exciting this weekend. To be fair, you just got over, and we mentioned this on the show the last time, like a really large project, right? That is that is fair, and you know, I was so vague about it on the last episode. I It's live now. All I'm going to say is that I worked on it, so I don't think I'm going to get in trouble from any legal teams for mentioning this. But if you go to the Head & Shoulders YouTube page, youtube.com slash Head & Shoulders, uh, we have this, there is now a thing on the Head & Shoulders for Men YouTube page, and you can kind of put Head & Shoulders hair to the test by typing in anything you can think of. It's, it's Ken, Troy Palomalo plays for the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, and he's kind of the Head & Shoulders, one of the Head & Shoulders guys, you know? Um, you can test Troy's hair. So you, uh, can Troy's hair pass the blank test? You fill in the blank and it'll pull up a video of his hair being tested. Um, I won't give any details as to how it works or how many videos there are or how many words will function or anything like that. I won't give any of it away because probably most of it's confidential anyway, but it is fun. So go there, type in some words, maybe... Try a video game character too, so you probably stuff, and uh, it's a good time. Um, but the point is, I, is the point is, is you worked super hard on this, put in crazy hours last week. So I don't think anybody would fault you for kind of taking a weekend and not kind of vegging out, right? I yeah, mean, honestly, I had uh, there were a couple things Friday I was supposed to do, and I I took a nap right when I got home, and I woke up and I, I was just like, I am done. Yep, I am done <laughs> with it. I'm just I'm over it. So. I played Wind Waker HD, which we're definitely going to talk Wii U with Jamie in a couple minutes. Uh, I played a lot of Rogue Legacy. I picked that up again. Uh, fantastic game. Love that game. Can't wait. Yeah, I can't wait to hear more of your uh, your opinion on that since we only yeah. we only touched on what you thought about it before. Yeah, and I, I probably won't talk much about it this episode, but maybe next week. Um, but it's, it's just a really, really fun game. And I started to delve into Civilization V multiplayer. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because our friend Will was online. He said, "How about some Civ Five? I had never played the multiplayer. God, it's so fun when you're playing with friends. It's pretty good. So fun. My God. If you, if if I see you on Steam, can I? In can I? May I? Uh, would it be too forward if I? Uh, I don't know how to. I mean, exactly. I would like breakfast afterwards, but I think we could arrange that. Okay, great. Pancakes it is, and maybe a game sandwich. <laughs> Ah, man, it's delicious. So, uh... <laughs> right, all right, all right. Our stories were much, much longer than Jamie's I Saw Gravity. <laughs> was there anything else you wanted to say about your weekend that we totally cut you off about? My my weekend was just, like, work, gravity, some Wind Waker, and, like, trying to get the, the girlfriend to remember for the 20th time how to get to our new apartments we're moving to. 
Oh. Are you cohabitating for the first time? Well, we've it's an awkward situation. I'm just going to leave it at that. But yes, we're moving into our own apartment together. <laughs> Good to know. Way to derail that, Cody. That's wonderful. You really you really Listen, did your homework. You really did your homework on our guest. Congratulations. Listen, this, this podcast is nothing if not an awkward situation. Okay? I think we can all agree on that one. Uh, and uh, and I always do every Friday. I post on Google Plus. Hey fans, let us know what you're playing this weekend. And it, apparently, everyone is playing Pokemon this weekend in anticipation of Pokemon X and Y. Yeah, I'm actually I'm actually thinking about getting it myself. I reserved mine today. You have a 3ds? I I do. Yeah. You both. Oh my god. See, Jamie, I knew you'd have a 3ds because I know you're a pretty diehard Nintendo fan, which I don't fault you for that. I would have a 3ds if I could afford one at the moment. Uh, but yeah, man. No, I, I love my 3DS. That's a fantastic system. I have not actively, like, really wanted a 3DS until Pokemon X and Y, and that's so strange to me because I haven't played since Blue, Red, and Yellow. You know what it is? It's this nostal- It's this going back to the Pokemon of the original Pokemon that you remember from a kid. So there's like there's a strong nostalgia to this this upcoming game. Wait, there is? Yeah. I haven't read anything about it. All I know is there's mega evolutions. Yeah, there's but but they're basically going back to a bunch of the original Pokemon. Like there's going to be a bunch of the original Pokemon in this game. Yeah, there are, you actually get two different starters. Uh, for one, you get one of the starters. It's one of the new like three Pokemon, and then shortly thereafter, you get another starter, which is either uh, I believe it's Charizard, Bulbasaur, or Squirtle. I believe. Um, but I mean, I, I can definitely see the nostalgia factor because I mean, you got X and Y, and X is blue and Y is red, so I mean, it all fits right there. I didn't realize that. Um, so, John, word on the street is you did not play a whole lot this week. Yeah, I mean, with with work and then kind of the the double date nights that we had with the movies, and uh, I, you know, I was. I was stuck doing basically just Soul Forge and Infinity Blade Three, and in very small, um, small portions. I did restart um, Dark Souls because I I downloaded it at some point during uh, the Steam sale. I now own Dark Souls, by the way, uh, on three three different versions of that game. So um, I need to find a way to unload at least one of them. Um, but I I restarted Dark Souls because. I, I bought it for like three bucks on Steam at some point, and there's apparently, and I, I did some digging, and there, there's a mod that some creator made uh, to make it run at 60 frames per second, which, if you know anything about Demons and Dark Souls, the the big one of the big criticisms is that they kind of run like shit on consoles. Mm. So, um, uh, um, and and the 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 Steam port without any modifications is from all accounts, like one of the worst PC ports ever made. Ooh. Like it's apparently it's stuck at a, at a 1024 by seven, whatever it is, rev- re- resolution where, as you know, like every monitor goes up to at least 1900 by 1600 now, if not further. Yeah. So like it's stuck at that resolution and you can't, it, it, you can't unlock that without some sort of modification. So I was excited because I was like, hey, I can, I've got, you know, I've got this hooked up to my TV downstairs and I would like to see what it looks like on this big screen. It runs awesome. So I'm going to start playing through that again. I don't know if I ever talked about Dark Souls on this show, but it, it's a game that I have now started and played like 20 hours of twice and just get 
if you know anything about this game, you just there's just it's very easy to just stop playing it because it is not an easy game. Oh, at all. So you like the challenging games too. Oh, it's very challenging. Uh, but it's just it's very old school in terms of its its kind of brutal difficulty. So it's just it's a very brutal game, and I'm hoping that I can stick with it a little more this time when I actually play through it. So uh, that was the other thing that I did. But otherwise, it was a pretty uneventful weekend for gaming for me. You know, I had real life stuff happening. Yeah, real life stuff. Whatever. Well, part of the reason that I thought this would be a good week to have Jamie on is because we recently did our episode in which I reviewed Wind Waker HD, and that was a lot of fun. Um, John, you had a couple a couple of issues uh, with with the Wii U ish. It's Nintendo's kind of overarching strategy. And um, we've mentioned this. This is not a bad thing at all, because I consider myself this as well, but Jamie's a pretty big Nintendo fanboy. And again, we, we're all, we all like Nintendo on this podcast. Like, we'll just put that out there. This is a safe place. It's a very safe place. Uh, unless you're having a baby sex party. <laughs> yeah. In which case... It's super safe. Super safe. So, um, but I thought... I thought uh, we'll we'll get maybe a couple of Jamie's thoughts on Wind Waker HD. Won't go into it a, a huge amount of detail, um, just because I've talked about it quite a bit. But let's, let's talk a little bit about Wii U. And what? Are, first of all, Jamie, how long have you had your Wii U? I've had mine since uh, early December last year, so shortly after release. Okay, so shortly after release. And what is it specifically that kind of struck you that you think that you think we may have missed? I know I know the first thing I realized was we totally forgot to mention there's a camera in the gamepad. <laughs> camera which, and microphone and uh, stereo speakers. Right. Which which some games do utilize. Like Zombie U uh has resp- uh what's it called? Um when you can take a picture of somebody and it, it turns them into a zombie right away, it's oh. uh uh, augmented reality, right? Yeah, something yes. like that. Yes, yes. So it's got augmented reality. So there's like, oh, I forgot the camera in the controller. Okay, so stuff like that. What, like, what do you think we we missed the mark on that you think uh, that you may disagree with a little bit? Well, the biggest thing was when John was discussing gamepad issues with games in particular, because he was stating in specific. Well, you know, I'd like to see more games that require the use of the gamepad for this or that or the other thing. Sure. Um, the big thing for me with that, there are a few that absolutely are reliant on the gamepad. Um, for example, Lego City Undercover, uh, Zombie U, you know, games like that. Um, but games that don't require it, it's a, a big bonus is the off-TV play. And, um, you know, especially with the recent update where they actually added Wii U, uh, regular Wii uh, off-screen TV play. So you can play your Wii and your gamepad. Um, except, well, you can't use the controls for it, but that's, they're getting there. Um, <laughs> but, uh... How does, that, how does that work if you can play, so you, you can play the Wii games, obviously, on the gamepad now. Does right. that include, do you know, emulators if you run the homebrew channel? Uh, that's a good question. That's a good question, actually. Um, because I don't know if you can get the homebrew channel on the Wii U or not. I don't know enough about that, to be honest. Oh, you can. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have my ear close to the modding community, and yeah. much to John's chagrin. Um, I'm not stealing as many games as you probably think I am. 
But uh, I do I do like to run my emulators on there, so there's that. But uh, that was just a random question. Anyway, sorry, continue. But yeah, I, I don't see why you wouldn't be able to do anything on the Wii U um, running in the, in the Wii emulation mode on the gamepad that you wouldn't normally be able to do. Like, I don't know if you know not, but there's actually a sensor bar in the Wii U gamepad. Um, there's two little sensors right next to the uh, camera on the gamepad, so you can actually use your Wiimote to point at the gamepad screen. John, John your thoughts? Did you know that? Um, I... So I did, um, <laughs> and and that's and and so all this is fine. And if I recall correctly, uh, which I think I do because I I said it, I, <laughs> I I said that that using off-screen mode is a legitimate use of the gamepad. Right. Like that to me, that to, that to me is okay. Um, but that being said, like. This back, backwards compatibility to be able to play Wii games on the gamepad is is cool, but we're still not talking about new experiences at this point. Right, so let's talk about new experiences then. Sure, um, and one of the reasons why I was really excited to have you on the show is because mm-hmm. you played uh, The Mighty 101. Yes, Wonderful 101. Wonderful Indeed. 101, which is, something, which is a game that, by Platinum, which I have said before is one of my favorite developers, mm-hmm. uh, and... And I is is not something that you can get on any other system. It is some. It is if there is a game that I will be buying a Wii U for, and eventually I will be getting one. It is the wonderful 101. Uh, simply worth every penny. Simply because of of Platinum's uh, reputation and just right. their library of games. So right. so this is why I was excited to have you on because you have played through this now completely. Completely yes, on normal mode. I want to get to hard next. And I figured we'd get into the like deep dive into Wonderful One Hundred One. Oh yeah, you go balls out. Just wanted to touch a couple. Just wanted to hit a couple Wii U things first. Well, I so. think this. I mean, I think it's a great segue into it because it's. I think it's the game that probably is the best argument for, at least right now, if that if either that or Zombie U as to why this gamepad can be a functional. A, like a functional extra utility piece of to play games on, right? Le- Lego City Undercover also I would highly recommend. Okay. The Lego games are really fun actually, John, uh not just from a 7-year-old perspective, but Oh, I don't it, I don't doubt it, but I don't know if they're necessarily like I don't know if they're my cup of tea, right? So I, I I don't know if they're mine either, but I've read one or two of the Lego games got insane reviews, and I can't remember it might have been the Star Wars one or something, but but one or two of those games have have gotten like overall like really good worth checking out reviews. Let me let me tell you this about Lego City Undercover. And keep in mind, you know, every Grand Theft Auto game I've played, and I have not played five, so I'm just going to leave that one out of the discussion because it looks awesome. Um, but every Grand Theft Auto game I've played up to this point, I have not enjoyed as much as I enjoyed Lego City Undercover. I mean, there's just something to be said about having. You know, seven different costumes. They all do different things. Having this gigantic city to wander around in and do Grand Theft Auto type things, but all Lego fied. It was just like I felt like being a kid again, but running around and like hijacking cars. I kind of like that. That sounds pretty good. I mean, that's that's <laughs> why that's certainly how I, I like Saints Row. But it's not John's cup of tea. John is more of a chamomile guy, I think. I am. And I'm more into the herbals. Yeah, and uh, th- kind of a lemon as well. Lemon pepper tea. Lemon pepper. Ooh, I don't. I just exotic. made that up. I don't think that's. I don't think that's a thing. I don't think and that I exists. Hope that's not. fish. I'm pretty sure that's fish. 
So, plus I feel like Wonderful 101 would be a black tea with a whole lot of caffeine. If anything, Lego City <laughs> Undercover is the chamomile. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, but let's uh, get into the black tea then, I guess. Right. But and like I said, I think it's a great segue because that what I wanted, what I want are I want reasons that the gamepad exists outside of outside of streaming it to your device because that's this streaming technology while cool to have it on this gamepad is going to be everywhere in 10 years right i mean you're gonna like our phones are going to be able to stream right you're, you're gonna be able to get some sort of dongle device hell steam is going to do this you're going to get some sort of dongle that you're going to plug into your computer and you're going to be able to zap it to anything so mm-hmm. like the like that technology while cool now will be uh will be dated eventually so i want like a reason why this is a this is an essential functional piece of the gaming pie. And so right. that is what you are going to tell me with the Wonderful 101. Indeed, indeed. All right, so Wonderful 101, let's take it from the top. All right, of course, you know, the, the general gist of the game is that um, <clears throat> you're one of 100 different heroes. And technically, the extra one for the 101 is you, the player. Aww. All right, so, so <laughs> you're basically... I guess the best way to put it is your 100 little Power Rangers is the best way to put it. But, of course, when you start out, you have you know 20 or 30 different guys, but you can recu- uh, recruit civilians and, and uh, policemen and whatever else that are just kind of hanging around by drawing a simple circle around them on the gamepad itself. Now, keep in mind, when you look down at the gamepad itself, all you see um, are little green dots that kind of signify the people you are and then other differently colored dots that signify, you know, enemies or groups of people to recruit, things like that. So you can just look at the gamepad if you even need to and just like sketch a circle or sketch a sword or, you know, whatever you need to do uh, on that to actually draw weapons or perform combos or whatever you need to. Um, and of course, as you're going along, you're increasing the size of your, your party as well. So you eventually will get to 100. Later in the game, you can get up to 200, but that's a big story thing I'm not going to go into, obviously. Now, Ooh. what's the scale that we're talking about like on the screen? Like, like there's going to be – that's a ton of people then. How big right. are they? Like are they t- are they tiny tiny tiny? They're they're fairly tiny. They're fairly tiny. Like I would say honestly, if you take Pikmin and you mix it with Beautiful Joe, then you've got a basic gist of what um, Wonderful One Hundred One looks like. I like both of those art styles. See exactly, it's good stuff. Um, but I mean the the game itself, the actual gameplay. It's I'm going to tell you at first, it takes a little getting used to. It really does, but. As you're playing the game and as you're kind of getting used to the controls, you're just getting significantly better and better and better. And you're experimenting with it. Maybe you're using the right stick to draw some stuff, but occasionally you're doing circles in the gamepad or whatever else. But you eventually get to a tipping point where you're not even looking at the gamepad anymore. You're just drawing things, like, quickly on the gamepad. Draw gun, draw whip, draw claws, draw whatever. It's Especially when you're in the middle of a combo... I mean, there were times later in the game, once I had all the different heroes uh, I could have, where I didn't want to interrupt a combo by having to do something on the right stick or looking at the gamepad. So I will just do motions with my left st- left hand, thumbs nowhere near the sticks, while I'm jamming on the buttons to perform combos and, and drag out extra guys. And, you know, keep in mind that if you have anyone you play local multiplayer with, you can play up to five people at once locally on this game. I wasn't really even touching the right or left control stick when I was in the middle of a battle because all I was doing was using my left hand to actually draw out 
each different weapon or each different shape you needed to use, and then alternating either between the, the X button to actually throw out an extra teammate that's using the sword or the fist or the hammer or whatever, and then doing combos by myself. Because the more you're doing these combos, the more damage you're doing to the enemy. And of course, the higher the multiplier, then of course the, um, the more damage you're doing as well at the same time. So um, I don't think I really understand the way that combat is working here. Okay. So you're you're drawing stuff on the gamepad that makes right. that, that makes sense. So like, what are you drawing and what does it do? All right. So for let's go let's run the list here. So for basic combat, you've got if you draw a quick circle, that's the fist. If you draw a straight line, that's the sword. If you draw um, kind of a, a curvy S line, that's the whip. And these are things uh, you these are like weapons you use in the game? They're, they're weapons you use in the game, and the longer you actually draw, or the bigger you draw uh, the symbol, the the more the more wonderful one, 101 uh, that are drawn into this weapon, the more powerful it is and the larger it is. So if you just draw like a quick, you know, sword line and get like, let's say 10, 15 you know, of your teammates in it, it's going to be, you know, a little sword does some damage, so on and so forth. But if you draw like a diagonal line all the way across your gamepad and you get a hundred people in it, it's this massive hulking monstrosity used to slice everything in range. Because the characters, these hundred characters form into the shape of these weapons. Correct. Right? Correct. So that's, that's, it, yeah. And if John, it's, it's, it's a hard game to describe. <laughs> so that's part of why I'm letting you do it. Cause I played the 10 minute demo at E3 and I can definitely back up your, your claim about it being hard to get used to because yes. I mean, I'm standing on a show floor with a lot of buzz going around and there's a, you know, there's a really gorgeous Nintendo booth model, um, you know, talking me through it. Very friendly. Those girls are so sweet. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so there's a lot going on, but other games I was able to grasp more easily. This this one, I, I could tell, had a bit of a learning curve, but you're saying that evens out. Exactly. I mean, like anything Platinum. Um, the, the more you play, the better you get, the more you get the controls, and you eventually get to a point where you're just you know, spanking the hell out of everything because you're just getting that much better. But even even when you're doing that, you're still getting your teeth kicked in and still you know there's a lot to learn. Like after I beat the game on normal and I saw the credits, it, the computer was showing me how to do things I had no idea how to do. Yeah, that is that really is like every platinum game. Yeah. But you know, I think a good comparison I could give you, John. Yeah, I assume you played Bayonetta, right? Oh my god, I love Bayonetta. Okay. I freaking love that game. You and me both. Okay, here's the thing. Up until Wonderful 101, Bayonetta was my favorite action game. Wonderful 101 has taken that crown now. That's pretty good. That's good to hear. And you want to mm. know when that happened? It was when I was piloting a 100-foot-tall mech against a 200-foot-tall mech in a game of Punch-Out in the middle of a raging volcano. This sound, that sounds like a platinum game for the love of God. Um, so, so just like other, just like other platinum games, then are 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 there basically almost? Does it almost feel like there are like non sequiturs in terms of like uh, like jumping from one thing to the next? Like does like the does the gameplay because in in some platinum games, a lot of times the gameplay may change like dramatically as to what you're doing. Like in Bayonetta, when you get into that motorcycle chase. Mm -hmm out of absolutely nowhere, right? So, like, and then there's a motorcycle level. Like, is there that kind of stuff, too? There, There is a bit of that, actually. You know, like I, like I said about that. Yeah, piloting the giant mech, or you're piloting the ship, or you're, suddenly you're doing a, um, like, a take on the old school game Zaxxon. You know, the whole isometric 
ship flying through space shooting things. Um, and, and lots of different things like that. They do switch around a lot. Um, there's a lot to it. And the funny thing is, even with all this going on, and when you look at the game and the graphical style, you wouldn't really think this, but there's actually a really deep and involved story. I absolutely love the story in it. Really? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, uh, one of the other things that Platinum uh, that Platinum does is they have if even if their even if their stories aren't necessarily the most comprehensible, mm-hmm. uh, they are at least interesting. Right. So. Is this is this another similar case? Like, is there some stuff that's just batshit crazy? Well, I mean, the, the entire game's batshit crazy, but the um, as to the story itself, it's actually pretty easy to follow. I didn't run into anything that was confusing. Um, there were quite a few twists and turns in it, but I mean, the whole thing was actually really well done. Now, there is an issue with the game. There's one oh. like glaring issue with it, and that's the camera. The camera is just the worst part. Um, it doesn't always get in the way, but there are times when you just need to make a jump and you'll miss it like four times in a row. But I mean, the good thing is if you die or if you, um, if you fall off stage like that, I mean, if you fall off a stage, you just pretty much put right where you missed the jump. So that's not really an issue. You just lose a little bit of life and you move on. Um, if you die, you do have to continue, but you're put back pretty much at the same spot. So I think Platinum kind of realized that might be an issue and they, they're pretty forgiving on you. And now, listener, if you so we keep talking about platinum now, and it's very obvious that Jamie and I both like this this developer. If you don't know anything about this developer, so this is the same developer that had, that made they they kind of stormed out of the scene with the game Mad World for the Wii in two thousand nine. Um, it was a game that was in black and white with like hyper violence, um, <laughs> and then they they released Bayonetta later in that year, and that was kind of their I think their first really large like product that people were like what the hell is this game but a lot of the criticisms of that are that the story was was you could not follow the story but the gameplay was so good that it carried the game in 2010 they came out with a game called vanquish which was this incredible third person shooter just absolutely incredible third person shooter um and then i think last year they made anarchy reigns and they also made metal gear rising revengeance which came out this year the wonderful 101 and then they are working on bayonetta 2 which is coming out Whenever they made revengeance, they made revengeance. So oh, I haven't played that. yet. They have this pedigree of action games that's just like solid. Like it is what they do. Um, so if you if you haven't played any of those games, you should treat yourself to at least one of them. I know you can get Bayonetta for a song right now, but if you have a Wii U, it sounds like the Wonderful One Hundred One, totally worth getting. Does it have some of that platinum difficulty to it? Because that was that's another thing about platinum is that like it is they are they are non non forgiving. Oh, yeah. I mean, the game kicks your teeth in and does not apologize for it. Um, I mean, the thing about the game, though, is every enemy has some sort of a trick to it. Um, usually you have to be using you know, the right kind of weaponry, and you have to get the timing right, and you have to block at the right time, or so on and so forth. But most every enemy has some sort of a trick to make the fights a little bit easier. You know, which is all and good until you throw two or three of them at you, which are like 100 times larger than you know, one of your little guys. Um, but you can perform you know, climb attacks... Which basically just throw little one ones up basically upon these guys uh, to to add to your combo multiplier. And they do a little bit of damage, but it's good for getting your multiplier up, increasing your score, and helping to overall smooth out your damage over time. So 
when you're actually getting into Wonderful 101 and you're learning the combos and you're doing the climb attacks and you're doing all of this stuff, you start to learn how best to defeat these enemies and it gets less difficult. But still, every so often, just something comes out of nowhere, kicks you in the face, and says, you want some more, don't you? Now, when when you get hit or, or like when damage occurs in the game, right. um, what uh, – like do some of your Wonderful 101 die? I mean, they how don't, they don't really die. The thing with the Wonderful 101 is every member of the team has a little pendant, and the pendant basically gives you a super costume, is the way to put it. Um, when Wonderful 101s take damage, um, aside from the main character, when they take damage, it knocks their costume off. So they get knocked out, they get knocked, um, you know, they get knocked away a few feet, and they're, uh, more or less unconscious. They need a little star flung on their head, that sort of thing. Um, but you run over to them and, and you touch them and they get right back up. So sometimes when you're in the really hectic battles, you have to run around and keep collecting your guys that keep getting beat up. And there are plenty of times where you might not take damage, but the enemies are hitting your other guys. So you're still having to either ignore them because they get up on their own in like 5-10 seconds um, and continue on or just keep collecting them. Okay, and then like where does the game over happen? Everything gets knocked out? Well, the game over happens with your main character. Um, your main character is the one is the only one that actually takes real damage. Um, so I mean, it's entirely possible that you can keep having your entire team knocked out, but you're not taking any damage. If you're just really good at, avo- at avoiding damage, that can happen pretty frequently. Um, but I mean, there's plenty of times when you're just taking plenty of damage right in the middle of, of fighting, and uh, your team is still there with you. So you just have to, work, have to work around that. So it sounds like there's a lot of combos in this. Like, oh yeah. Does that does it play like? Because I. I have I confession I've never played a platinum game. Mm-hmm. Somehow I, whatever I I'll probably play Metal Gear Rising Revengeance at some point since I'm a Metal Gear guy and clearly would like to play Wonderful 101. Um, but I, I'm a Ninja Gaiden guy. Mm-hmm. That's that's my like action game like this pedigree, and um, you know you you kind of develop some combos at, at some point. Is it is it manageable? I mean, do you have to like really play this game a lot to get really good at these combos? Because it sounds like you're stringing them together like it's nothing. Well, like I said, as you play, you get used to actually stringing the combos together. Um, I'm, st- I'm not, Maybe I'm not as good as I'm making myself sound. <laughs> but um, you do get used to it, especially once you get Wonder Black later in the game. He has, uh, um, he has bombs that slow down time. And when you use him as an assist, instead of actually making him a main, like, when I say assist, I mean, you draw out the bomb on your gamepad, and you hit X instead of A, and basically he just, he tosses a bomb while you're doing whatever you're doing. So that ends up slowing enemies down, builds your combo, you can throw out more assists, you can switch into another weapon and keep going. Um, but that makes it easier, it makes it easier to learn how to do these combos. So I honestly expect, for the first half of the game, you'll just kind of struggle through it, uh, getting used to it as you as you move along, but by the end of the game, you're gonna at least feel like a pro until you know until you watch the credits. <laughs> yeah, I mean Bayonetta Bayonetta had combos in it that all their combos are pre canned. Like they're all they they have made the combos in a certain way. Um, it but to actually execute them in a like a manageable fashion is not easy. It was it's never easy really in any platinum game. So it's just something that takes a lot of getting used to. Right. Now here's a question for you, Cody. Um, are you familiar with a studio called Clover? 
They did Okami, they did Beautiful Joe, they did another a number of games like that. I'm definitely familiar with both. I love Okami. Okay, um, because Clover, Platinum Games was Clover. They just changed name. Oh, that explains the art style. There you go. Problem solved. Mystery <laughs> solved, rather. <laughs> so technically you have played a Platinum game. Technically, I have played, but yes, yes. And I have no aversion to playing a Platinum game. I just wasn't really super familiar with it. I, I've heard of all the games John mentioned. And in fact, Bayonetta 2, you could demo at E3. And funnily enough, I, I just didn't have interest because I hadn't played the first one. Right. I mean, it looked cool, but I mean, there's also a zillion other games that I had to demo. But um, but yes, Okami is is, oh, I really like Okami. <laughs> like a lot. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, I, I have a feeling this, this might be, might be up my alley. Um, and for, not for John's sake, but kind of to go full circle to the beginning of our discussion about utilizing the gamepad, um, creating these weapons, is that the only function of the gamepad or are there pause, like inventory functions or anything along Uh, those lines? Lots of inventory functions on, on the fly. Um, you can go through it and check out little help menus to see, because a lot of times you'll you'll learn things right in the middle of combat. Like your your little one for one ones, uh, will actually level up in combat. I don't think it's really an experience ticker or anything that I've found. Um, but each of the little guys that you pick up do level up, and as they level up, you can get you know health boost. So you'll learn a new move here or or a new move there. So if you need to know how to do it, you can just press the little help menu and see how to do it right on the gamepad without breaking gameplay. Um, also, you can select between different inventory items, which you would just hold up on the D-pad uh, to actually use. You things like uh, health restoration or energy restoration or you know, missiles or, or anything like that. Um, all that is handled on the gamepad. Now, it's worth noting, even though you draw on the gamepad, you can take it off screen. So you can play on the gamepad itself the entire game. You have to use the right stick in order to draw your circles, which or, or draw your symbols, which just takes extra time, but it can be done. Um, the tricky thing about that is there are points where you have to go indoors. And when you go indoors... <clears throat> the main screen displays what's up, whatever's outside, and you would have a, a usually the gamepad would display whatever's on the inside. So you're running on the inside doing things like flipping, uh, turning lo- uh, turning knobs and flipping levers and that sort of thing. Um, it's impacting things on the outside. So maybe you need to go through a path or go find secret things, whatever. Um, but the thing is, when you're playing on the gamepad, you can bring up a little mini screen on the gamepad. Uh, to still access those bits of gameplay because there's points where you have to do that sort of thing. Um, mm. So you can pull the whole game down to the gamepad, even though it's kind of going to diminish your experience. Uh, it really pays to have the entire thing on the main TV still. But there yeah, is a lot and, of functionality. And my my biggest argument, I think, with Wind Waker HD, um, which, which I mentioned, was uninterrupted gameplay. And I think, I think, John, once again, if, if you ever play through Wind Waker HD, especially. Oh, yeah. To be fair, to be fair, I definitely did say I was talking out of my ass when I was talking about the <laughs> Wii U because I don't I've never even interacted with one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it, we're, again, we're all on the same side. So if anything, we're going to be in violent agreement about most of this. But I, I really think it's so hard to convey fully it the the impact that that has um there were other tweaks to Wind Waker HD um but but man just the difference between 
any other Zelda game I've played, and being able to constantly just go, that second screen, any game that I think utilizes that second screen in such a way that allows completely uninterrupted or or, mm-hmm. or almost fully interrupted gameplay just really changes the entire pacing. I mean, just think of Resident Evil games and pausing and going through inventory and any game you can think of where you have to pause for any reason is better on the Wii U. Yeah, and I mean, that's one of like the big draws of of Zombie U, a game I haven't played. But one of the big draws is that the the the... And other games have done this, but this is the first game where you've had to look at somewhere else other than the main game screen is when you pause it, you're not actually pausing the game. You are, like, your character's opening their backpack and you're having to search through that for various mm-hmm. items. Meanwhile, there are... There's stuff moving within the game world, right? right? So you could have a zombie coming up to attack you and you'd have to be looking in your backpack and not able to see what's going on until it was too late. So that, like, that uninterrupted gameplay has some really interesting uses. Like, that's a very interesting way to use that mechanic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? So, like, I'm on board with that kind of stuff. I think it's, I think that's great. Damn it, um, John, why do you hate Nintendo? <laughs> so, and... Nintendo is one of the worst companies Seriously? that I think they're, that's, they are, they are greedy. Oh, uh, you they do. They are capitalist. I know, they're capitalistic. They, uh, they hate puppies. Yeah, um, but, well, yeah. Seriously. Yeah. They, so, they would never have a baby sex party, though. No, no, they wouldn't. They wouldn't. So there's that. <laughs> and they're not invited to mine either. Sorry, Jamie, were you going to say something relevant? <laughs> well, yeah, there, there were two games I wanted to bring up that use a gamepad in, in sort of the whole uninterrupt, uninterrupted gameplay uh, sort of function. And surprisingly, one of those is Call of Duty Black Ops 2. Uh, the other one is Monster Hunter uh, 3 Ultimate. Hmm. Now, in Call of Duty, I'm going to bring this up because um, there's a couple of things that really set it apart. For one... At any at any point, you can actually go through your different character builds on the gameplay on the gamepad while playing. So you can actually go through there and select. Well, maybe I want to be a sniper next. You just click it, and you're going to be a sniper next time you you respawn. Um, you have the full map on the gamepad at all times, as opposed to little snippets of it like you would normally. Um, so you can see where people are are firing, and you can see the full oh, UAV map. The whole no thing. No way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, sorry, that is fucking game changing. <laughs> like, um, yeah, no, John, you. This is a. That's. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Keep going. <laughs> um. Also, also, yeah. Also in Call of Duty, um, when you get your perks, all three of them, um, show up right in your gamepad, and you can use them in any order. So if you have a UAV and you have uh, a predator missile and you have a chopper of some sort. You could use, you know, the predator missile first, and then you could use the chopper, and then the UAV if you felt like it. Whatever order you wanted to use, they're just right there to just press and select and, and go. Okay. I like that. I like those differences quite a bit. Right. Obviously. And, right. And, and going over to Monster Hunter, what's interesting about that one is on the gamepad, you're able to completely customize what you want to show there. Um, because you're essentially given a given uh, X amount of space to actually put tiles into. And you can swap the tiles in and out. You can move them around. So if you want to display your items, uh, you can do that. If you want to display your map over here, you can do that. If you want to display this or that or the other information or your crafting, you can just display what you choose to uh, in, in customizable tiles. 
And I've never played a Monster Hunter game, but John, you've played that series, correct? I have not. It's actually been a series that I've always been a little interested in, but again, it's 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 a very high barrier to entry. Right. Um, it, it's a very complex game. It's one that kind of requires outside uh, reference to really get the most out of. So, really? yeah. And, oh, yeah. Unless you start from the beginning. Because if you start from the beginning, there are tutorials and basic hunts that really help you out. Because I've never played one before either, before this one. And the demo honestly turned me off, but I had friends on Google Plus that convinced me to buy it. And what I found was have either one of you ever played Fantasy Star Online? No. Yes, on the Dreamcast. <laughs> yes. This is like Fantasy Star Online on crack. Okay. <laughs> That's exactly how the gameplay is. Because I mean, you got four people going into general zones, hunting down monsters. And the gameplay is even fairly similar. But there's customizing, there's, there's item crafting, there's a full story. You, you kill monsters and you make armor and weapons out of their skin. It, it's, it's actually really awesome. Wow. Yeah, no, that sounds really awesome. And now I, no, I kind of want to play that too. Yeah, I mean, it's the, kind, it's the kind of game where you can put 200 hours into it. Easy. Like farming oh, stuff God. and crafting stuff. So it's like a, it's one of those, I mean, Monster Hunter is the game that solidified the PSP in Japan as like the handheld juggernaut that it became there. Because people played Monster Hunter and only Monster Hunter, yeah, on that system. So, um, like that system would not have sold if it didn't have Monster Hunter on it in Japan. So, I mean, it's a significant, like, it's a significant thing. It's a significant game. It's a very, it's like an important franchise. Yeah, Monster Hunter, Monster Hunter Four recently came out in Japan on 3DS, and not only has it moved half a million 3DS units at this point. The game itself has sold two and a half million copies in just a couple weeks. Well, okay. Now I have to get Monster Hunter. Thank <laughs> you for ruining my wallet, uh, Jamie. Well, you're welcome. Go ahead and add me on Wii U. I'll walk you through it. <laughs> hey, to be fair, if you if you buy it, it gives you 200 hours of entertainment, right? So, I mean, you can't complain about the amount of time you got on there. That is a good return on investment, although I've already dumped like 20 hours into Rogue Legacy, and that was like four bucks. That's true. So, no, it was eight. I lied. It was eight, but still good. Yeah, yeah it's good. To, I mean, it's good to hear. It's good to hear that there is worthwhile stuff on the Wii U. Like, that's I want that because I want there to be more reasons for me to buy one. Yeah, there really is a lot of worthwhile games on there. There really is. And a lot of the multi-platform games um, are better on the Wii U just because the gamepad just adds that extra dimension to it. I, I hope they can keep the steam rolling uh, with getting their third-party developers to continue to commit to make games for it, oh, you yeah. know? Because that's that's a thing that the Wii kind of tapered off on, unfortunately. Like, they had all this third-party support uh, when it very, very first came out, and then it completely died off towards the end of that Wii's life cycle. So hopefully they can at least kind of cajole a few more third-party developers to come over to the Wii U and try it out. Yeah, I mean, the unfortunate thing is, and this is something I've discussed on the other podcast at times, is that you know it wouldn't matter if Nintendo had the most powerful system out there. I mean, third-party support would still be flagging just because Nintendo games tend to just sell so much that they, you know, unfortunately curtail what the third parties can do on the system. You know, it's not something that Nintendo fans wouldn't buy these games, but Nintendo fans aren't always interested in whatever the most deriv- derivative shooter on the market is that's popular. Um, they, those don't typically sell well on on, uh, on Nintendo systems, unfortunately. I mean, we could use 
you know, a hell of a lot more uh, third-party support. But, you know, I'm happy getting the occasional Splinter Cell because Blacklist was awesome. I'm looking forward to Watch Dogs. Uh, Ubisoft luckily has a lot of support right behind the Wii U. We could definitely use more. Like Square. Square Enix would be great on the system. I mean, to be to be fair, the Wii U could have made some smarter decisions in that they could have smarter, at least in my opinion, and that they could have used the same... They could have used the same architecture that the Xbox One and the PS4 would be using so that developers would have an easier time developing for it. They could have juiced the system a little more, charged mm-hmm. more money for it, which would have given, which would have given a, a, a better parity in terms of the systems because what that would allow would be developers to say, hey, it's not going to actually take that much to develop a game for this system, and we could just throw in some extra utility using this gamepad, and then you really would have similar games with just this extra gamepad to increase whatever whatever the, the the developer chose to use it as, right? Right. Um, but unfortunately, because the system isn't as powerful as these other systems, there's really not that choice for the developers to make because they can't get their game... They, they will physically not be able to get their games on this system because it's just it's not powerful enough. And so I think that would have been a better decision. Right. Well, here's the funny thing about that, because... You know, the, the x86 that the Xbox One and PlayStation 4 are running off of, you know, they're, they're essentially just PCs. One way or another, that's the way to cut it. Um, right, yeah. And games released on PCs have a wide variety, a, a wide range of what's acceptable for it to run on. Now, Nintendo's also made it incredibly easy for developers through, uh, I can't remember the name of the program or, or whatever they have. Um, they actually have a program that lets developers very easily port a um, a game to the Wii U with, with little time, little effort, and little cost. But developers are the ones that are, are either not putting features in these games or they're pulling them all together. Like Crisis 3, um, Crytek said they had it running on the Wii U, and it was finished, and it was ready to publish, and EA decided to pull the game. And, you know, at the same time they released Mass Effect 3 on the Wii U, Instead of actually releasing the Mass Effect trilogy like they did on the other systems, they just released the third, and they didn't have any extra features for it, and they didn't uh, give any downloadable content for the game for multiplayer or anything. So, I mean, we've got publishers that are putting out stripped-down ports, unfortunately, when they don't have to, but they don't think it's going to sell, and the truth is, if we're getting stripped-down copies, it's not going to sell. Um, the new Batman game is coming out as an example of that because Warner Brothers pulled the multiplayer, the online multiplayer, out of it. Which for a Batman game, I don't think it's really necessary anyway. But um, Amazon's taking the smart road with that, and they're actually cutting the price by ten bucks over the over the uh, their consoles. So I mean, the the cheaper price is going to help with the sell, but you know, people don't want to buy stripped down ports because most gamers these days do have multiple consoles, and if they can get the better version on a different console, that's where they're going to buy it. So it's third-party developers putting out strict ports on Nintendo consoles and then crowing about how their games aren't selling on Nintendo consoles. It's it's kind of a false dichotomy there. Yeah, that's a bit of a chicken-and-egg situation. That's a, that's exactly right. It's a chicken-and-egg thing because who's to say that that Nintendo didn't didn't seal their own fate by creating the system that they did, right? So but at the it, same time, it's funny you mentioned Batman because I'm going to get – 
Arkham City on the Wii U mm-hmm. because of the additional functionality in the gamepad. I, I missed the boat on Arkham City. Yes, I know it came out on Wii U a year after it was released. And yes, I know now it's two years after it was released. But I missed the boat. And guess what? I'm going back and I'm probably going to pay close to full price for it on the Wii U when it's much cheaper on other consoles because I want that extra experience. So for me, it does pay off. Like developers, like you said, developers put a little extra work into it, use some of those little extra features, and uh, I'll buy it. Right. Like, I'm excited for Watch Dogs because Ubisoft is talking of Watch Dogs. You know, for one thing, they're saying the Wii version graphically is going to fall somewhere between current gen and next gen. And they're really excited about what they're able to do with the hacking mechanic and the gamepad. And that's what I'm really anxious to see. I'm all for it. I told you. I think that I think the gamepad has some awesome uses that people smarter than me should be able to figure out. And, like, I want them to use it in that way. Can you say anything positive? All you do is talk about how much you hate Nintendo, how horrible it is, how you wish that all you... You keep talking about Mario choking on pasta and dying, and you're you're sick. He takes too big of bites, man. I've always said that. <sighs> well... Look, I have always said that. You have always said that. I, I literally cannot argue with you on that point. So I won't. And with that, well, look, we're out of time. We're running out of time. Or we're pretty much out of time. We're kind of out of time. We're actually not on a schedule, but I think we're out of time. I just feel like the Wii U discussion has is coming to a natural close, and I don't want it to <laughs> drag out longer than it needs to, like the Matrix movies. Because the first one was good. If they had stopped there, it'd be a classic, but they didn't. Well, the first one's still a classic, right? That's not that's not arguable. The first one's I, still no. great. It was tainted by the others. They they had to go and ruin it for, with Reloaded. You're saying you don't like the taint? I don't like... I you know. You want, do you uh, want to cleanse the taint? Boy, I don't know if I'm going to let that one slip past the censors. Okay, if they had cleansed the taint is what you're saying. I, I am the censors. Listen, we also have to address briefly... The Plants vs. Zombies 2 sweepstakes, which we said we would announce the winner on today's episode. We did. But here, here's the problem with that, is that I said we'd announce the winner and you have until Wednesday, October 9th to enter. But we're pre-recording this episode, which will go live on October 9th. So if somebody writes a review on October 8th, then they're not included in the drawing even though we said we'd announce it. So officially the cutoff date to enter... I think you get in really big trouble if you do not follow your sweepstakes entry rules. Like, I think that that's a legitimate big problem. If I don't follow my own? Right. So that's why you need to follow this. So that's why I'm following it. I know, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm I saying. Am agree- I'm agreeing the f*** out would, of what you're you saying. stop I am- arguing with everything I say? I'm agreeing so hard right now. God, Jamie, do you see what I have to deal with every week? I don't know how you do it, man. So listen, just in case we were unclear in the last episode, write us an iTunes review by Wednesday, October 9th, and you will be entered in a chance to win Plants vs. Zombies 2 swag, which will be announced on the next week's episode, which is October 16th. No, he says write this by October 9th, but you'll, you'll be listening to this on... October October 9th. So so you have all night. Oh, I see. Uh, by by day's end. By day by the end of by midnight, the night of Wednesday October 9th. 
It's far too complicated of a contest. This is this is the what Jamie entered it. So good luck to you, Jamie. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you're you're in the running. Uh, so there's that. So you know, one person's written a review, but but not a zillion people. So your chances are better than winning the lottery, but I would say worse than waking up tomorrow morning. See, and the podcast super fan's gonna end winning it. Winning it. Watch. Hey, man, knock on wood. I'm we're gonna in an Instagram video. The uh, physical act of choosing the winner. I don't know. I'm going to roll like a six-sided die or something, depending on how many entries we get. Yeah, you'll figure out a fair way to do it, I'm sure. Yeah, I'll Instagram video it so you can actually watch the evidence uh, at Instagram.com slash Cody Goff. Just follow Cody Goff on Instagram. It's just my first and last name. It's on our Google Plus and Tumblr pages. It's not hard to figure out. Um, follow me on Instagram, and you can you can check all that stuff out. So there's that. See, what you should do is you should get like, you know, 12 different cats and like put person's name on each of the cats and then run the vacuum cleaner. And then after that, whoever's cat you find first is the winner. That makes it a little more interesting and uh, more prone to bodily harm. My God, put the names inside the cat's stomachs and cut the cats open. What is wrong with you? First baby sex parties now cutting open cats. Where has this podcast gone? It's October, everybody. <laughs> Halloween. I think I heard something completely different than what you said. You know, I don't know anymore. I, I literally don't know anymore. Um, Jamie, I want to give you one more chance to plug your podcast and uh, writing endeavors. And your, bo- your book. Is your book about video games? It's not about video games, actually. It's a work of fiction regarding superheroes. Of sorts. What, what's your book called? I want to read your book now. All right, my book is called Superpowered. It's available on Kindle. It's available on Nook. Available on Kobo, and also on Google Play. Well, thank God this is not a writing podcast because you are clearly qualified as a writer. Whew! Dodged a bullet that one. On that one, that time, dodged a bullet. A bullet was dodged. Yes, thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And and uh, you can be heard on the Quan Man Shoes podcast, which is called uh, Gamers at Large. Yes, Gamers at Large podcast. Yes, and they can read about wh- where do you write again? Um, I write in the uh, Wii U and uh, Nintendo Wii U and 3DS uh, Google Plus group, and also a lot of what I write there uh, ends up going to PlayerEssence.com as well. PlayerEssence.com. All right, and John, and John, where can people find you? You can't. <laughs> Oh, actually, you could follow me on Twitter if you want. Don't tweet a lot. Okay, you'll occasionally see something. Uh, it's at Eat Play Game, um, or you can find me on our Google Plus page, which we've plugged repeatedly, as well as our Tumblr page, which we've plugged repeatedly. And uh, you are you still ever twitching? Do you twitch still? Uh, so again, it is something that I want to get back into. It is something that I have not had a lot of time to do. So, yes. I will Twitch. I will Twitch I, everywhere. I want to get a, a converter box that will allow me to stream my console games because I got Deadpool on the PS3, which is fantastic, but I, I really want to stream the whole game. So keep an eye out for that, and I'll get to that eventually. And you know what? It's funny. I, we, we close. You can find us on Twitch TV at twitch.tv slash unqualifiedpodcast, but I completely spaced on this. For the weekend, I was at home Friday night... Um, some plans, I was so 
indecisive about what to do that night. I ended up staying home, played some Civ Five with a friend. Around 1 a.m., he says, I got to go. I'm watching the League of Legends championships. I'll probably pass out to it. I'm like, okay. So I went on Twitch TV, and I was it was the final... Um, the final series for the championship of the League of Legends World Championship. It was. I got to watch the first match of that. Right. So because it was on hella late. Like it was after – it was probably 2.30 a.m. when I finished. And it was live from the Staples Center in Los Angeles, California. Which is where the Lakers play. I think I might have talked about this on the, when I was talking about the streaming stuff. You may have. But I just wanted people to know. I thought this was kind of funny. I was up I mean, at 2 in the morning, right, Central Time. And over 500,000 people were watching the stream. So uh, so briefly then, what did you think of the like legitimate professional gaming stream with commentary? It was amazing. It was just like any professional sport. Uh, I think that whomever was in charge of that production really knows what they're doing. They are becoming better storytellers. Uh, I've read a lot of, of articles about pro gaming and how it can do a better job of emerging, and it's all about the stories. People watch American Idol for those stupid little, uh, you know, those stupid little bios, and it's like, oh, my mom died, and like, blah, 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 I overcame this sickness, and now I'm gonna here to sing. You know, like, that's what people are into. That's what draws in audiences. Even with the NFL and the NBA and other sports, you hear their personal stories a lot, and... You know, I've watched some professional gaming that doesn't really touch on that. League of Legends had the video packages. There was the punter for the Minnesota Vikings did a video package. Chris Cluey, Chris Cluey, he was he's he's the former punter, and he uh, he is a strong advocate for both professional gaming as well. I mean, he's a huge World of Warcraft player. Yeah, and League of Legends apparently. So he's a big advocate. So they had a big interview with him, and it had a bunch of gamers talk about that and. Uh, I think pro gaming is going to get pretty legit in the next decade, and I'm I'm really excited for it. And, and granted, there were a, a zillion of these viewers. I mean, a lot of them are from are in South Korea and Australia and England and uh, Europe and random places where it wasn't the middle of the night. But I'm guessing there were also a lot of Americans too up in the middle of the night on a Friday night watching a live stream of League of Legends. So I thought that was pretty cool, and uh, I'm. You know, I didn't understand a damn thing they were saying, but just actually just based on listening to the podcast that you and I did where you talked about League of Legends, I could kind of tell what was going on with the lanes and the bushes and things like that. So thank you for that 101, that wonderful 101. You see what I did there, Jamie? I see what you did. I'm I'm picking up what you're putting down. Because you reviewed the wonderful 101. See, John, let me explain this to you. I'm sniffing what you shit on the ground. That's not how that goes. Well, um, that was sexual. That was sexual. That was very sexual. 